This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, August 4th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, the UAW seeks 40% wage gains. Experts raise doubts about NHTSA's fuel economy proposal. And Magna's production and income surges in the second quarter. Plus, it's been about two months since the updated safeguards rule went into effect. We'll hear from the CEO of Dealer Safeguard Solutions, Doug Fusco, about how things have been going. It kind of came and went. It was uh, a very big buildup, a delayed buildup. And I think a lot of folks took a deep breath and the responsible parties have said, well, I'm glad that's behind me. And it's, it's not. It's, as you know, it's just starting. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The UAW is seeking more than 40% in pay raises for its workforce from the Detroit three automakers. That's according to people with knowledge of the union's demands who spoke with us at Automotive News. The gains would include a 20% raise upon ratification, followed by 5% raises each year of the four-year deal. UAW President Sean Fain spoke with us at Automotive News earlier on Thursday. When inflation's went up, grown to almost 20% in the last uh, four years. Uh, I don't think it's asking a lot for our members to uh, to look for their fair share. Fain also told Automotive News the union would seek a 32-hour work week with 40 hours worth of pay, elaborating on comments he had made earlier in the week. You can hear more of our conversation with UAW President Sean Fain on Monday here on Daily Drive. Automotive policy experts are questioning the effectiveness of new proposed fuel economy standards from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. They argue the proposed rules would do little to improve the efficiency of gasoline-powered vehicles, if finalized alongside the EPA's stricter limits on tailpipe pollution. Last month, NHTSA outlined fuel economy standards for the 2027 through 2032 model years. It would require average fleet fuel economy of nearly 58 miles per gallon by the 2032 model year. Real-world mileage is typically 20 to 30% lower than the CAFE figures. Chris Harto is a senior policy analyst at Consumer Reports. He says the 58 miles per gallon target is weaker than expected. If this rule is finalized at its current stringency, and the EPA rule is finalized at its current stringency, you know, it's not really going to do anything. What we would really like to see is a strong CAFE standard that acts as a sort of backstop on automakers backsliding on their conventional ICE vehicle fleets. The Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which represents much of the industry, says it's still reviewing NHTSA's proposal but it says it's encouraging that the agency and the EPA seem to have tried to sync up the rules. Magna International is raising its full-year profit and sales outlook today after it generated second-quarter net income of $339 million. That's compared with a loss of $156 million during the same quarter last year. Revenue for the quarter grew 17% to $11 billion, North America's largest auto supplier said there was strong demand for auto parts as supply chain constraints eased, 
But labor concerns remain a worry as the UAW and Canada's Unifor unions both negotiate new contracts with the Detroit Three automakers. Suppliers are also navigating higher costs of raw materials and other inflationary headwinds. An electric truck maker, Nikola, says today that Michael Loescheller will step down as CEO less than a year after taking over the job. He cites a family health problem as the reason for leaving and returning to Europe. Industry veteran Steven Gursky will take over the role at the end of the month. Gursky is currently the company's chairman. He'll be Nikola's fourth CEO in four years. His appointment comes as the company turns its focus to fuel cell-powered electric trucks. Gursky served a variety of roles at General Motors from 2009 to 2014, including a stint as vice chairman. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, the UAW is seeking more than a 40% pay raise while also pushing for a 32-hour work week. Do you think this is realistic or a play by the UAW to get one or the other? You know, I think it's a really interesting uh, construct, right? If you look at the way the auto industry has behaved during the COVID times, production was way down and profits were way up. So it's sort of like, hey, let's just cut the output by 20%, uh, give us all the money that we would normally get, and you can make uh, your big profits. The, the problem is, of course, that's not how it's going to work out. If someone else would make more trucks, more SUVs, and take away that market share and bring the profit margins down. So I think you're right. It's really probably about the raises. I think it's, it's hard to imagine uh, going to a, a standardized four-day work week. But we have seen some creative scheduling in the past. So I guess never say never. Uh, it's always uh, they negotiate anything that's that's possible. Uh, but if I had to put my bets down, I, I bet on uh, getting the raises. Interesting stuff. Coming up, Dealer Safeguard Solutions CEO Doug Fusco joins the show to talk about the impact of the safeguards rule two months after it took effect. That's next on Daily Drive. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. During a recent webinar, Safeguard Solutions CEO Doug Fusco asked dealers how many of them could find all their dead deals from the past five years. He asked because that's now required by the FTC's updated safeguards rule, which took effect on June 9th. Almost nine out of 10 dealers said they couldn't. Fusco spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Shine about that and how dealers can reduce compliance risks about two months since the new rules and regulations took effect. Doug, thanks for joining me on the F&I edition of Daily Drive. Thank you for having me. 
So much like Y2K, uh, June 9th came and went. The world didn't stop. Um, the safeguards rule is, I guess, for all intents and purposes, in effect. What are you hearing out there from uh, your folks? I know you've got your finger on the compliance pulse of dealerships. How are things post June 9th uh, with the safeguards rule? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it kind of came and went. It was uh, a very big buildup, a delayed buildup. And I think a lot of folks took a deep breath and the responsible parties have said, well, I'm glad that's behind me. And it's it's not. It's, as you know, it's just starting, right? And uh, I think the vast majority of the dealerships handled the scariest piece of it, which was all the new technical requirements for all the new cyber responsibilities. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, still neglected or haven't improved their lie on the other two legs of the stool. And there were three requirements, technical, physical, and administrative obligations. The technical is brand new and scary. Most dealers, either through internal resources or through a third party, have uh, done a pretty good job of getting that under control and getting everything documented. But I, I think in a lot of cases, we're still seeing challenges and issues uh, with the physical administrative paperwork in the showroom, the behavior of the staff, all the things that dealers should be doing consistently that unfortunately don't always happen that way. Well, that kind of tees up my, my next question. And uh, I know you guys I recently did a webinar and you had a survey of dealers and I think almost nine out of 10 said that they couldn't find all their dead deals from the last five years, which I think is a requirement of uh, the safeguards rule. Should I be surprised by that or, or are you not shocked by this? I'm not shocked because I do, you know, way too many presentations and meetings a week to count. And that's one of the points we typically review as part of the process. And, you know, we'll get anywhere. It's rare that they say they have them all. We'll get chuckles. We'll get total silence. We'll get, you know, me a cope. I don't have them. What can I do to fix it? It's the same thing. It's I have turnover. I have people. I have training. Regardless of all that, policy evaporation still creeps into a dealership and we don't train everybody every day. So kind of busy, out of sight, out of mind. And the only thing that's handled almost perfection are the deals that get sold because they go from the showroom to the desk, to finance, to account. All the ones that die along the way should be going through a similar process. But as soon as they're dead, the sales folks lose interest on the next opportunity. And that's where the process starts to break down. So June 9th comes and goes. Sure, dealerships exhale. It's June 10th. Doors are still open. Things are great. But I would imagine you would say there are still things that you need to be thinking about, need to be working on. What What are some issues or topics that dealers still need to be mindful of when it comes to compliance in the in the safeguards rule? We're starting to see beginnings of a very interesting, what I think will turn into a trend. The, the forward-thinking, innovative dealers have kind of come to the conclusion of if I can only do uh, a certain good job of controlling it. How do I contain it, right? And one of the best ways to do that is to limit the amount of that information that's floating around the showroom. So we're starting to see a trend towards soft pulls on every deal, every pencil, only do the hard pull, you know, when we have a confirmed deal, which limits the private information in the showroom, limits some of the compliance obligations that go along with it because I no longer have to do a credit score disclosure notice and several other things until I do a hard pull. So they're improving their lie by changing the landscape to put the odds more back in their favor and save some money while they're doing it. Does that put the consumer at a disadvantage a little bit if if they're, again, maybe doing soft pulls leading up to a deal 
is there any kind of fallout that may affect either the dealership or the, or the consumer uh, by, you know, some of the things that they're doing just to kind of, you know, guard themselves uh, from you know, any kind of issues? No, I mean, look, there's still responsibilities. They still have to have the consumer's consent to do a pre-qualification, right? I just, I just don't need their social. So I still need kind of a less restrictive audit trail. I need, you know, basically they click a box on a link or they sign, you know, in the showroom that says they give you consent to do a pre-qualify. That information comes back just like a credit report. So I have the same score to work the deal off of, but I've got less private information collected. And it's actually a benefit to the consumer because it doesn't impact the credit score until the hard pull is done. So all those deals that don't buy, I don't have a dead deal because I haven't collected the social. I want to switch gears real quickly and just talk a little bit about buy sells. You know, 2022 was a huge, you know, like I think anything like the industry has seen with the number of acquisitions. 2023, not as crazy, but still a lot of activity. But streamless plug here, we're having a big uh, buy sell package and the August 7th issue coming out. Tell me a little bit about, uh, how compliance or lack lack of compliance can impact uh, a buy sell deal? Well, I think there's a I think there's a couple ways it could impact it. Obviously, through the due diligence process, things can be discovered that are not in the seller's favor, which could impact the price. That's probably the most basic level. But beyond that, you know, there's probably nothing worse. And every almost every compliance violation that's been made public, and many that haven't have obviously been something that happened in the past and has resurfaced down the road, right? Well, there's nothing worse than being at the one yard line on a buy sell and having some lawsuit filed or some notification from the FTC that you violated something that, that could kill a deal, not just impact the price. And then I think, you know, the third thing that could impact it other than name change is the, the collateral damage to the brand. If you're dragged through the, the sellers dragged through the mud in the headlines, and the buyer takes it over and it's still the same Ford dealership or the same Toyota dealership, that can also have an impact on, on you know, where things land as well. I think we've had a couple of recent uh, stories in the F&I pages of Automotive News that talk about, you know, their lawsuits involved in lawsuits, fraud, that kind of thing. And, and, it's the, and they've been sold since this happened. And so, like, like you said, the new, the new owner has to still kind of deal with a little bit of negative publicity, even though they didn't own the, own the store back when all this happened, but we have to kind of say, oh, back when it was, you know, it was previously known as this. And so I just see what you mean that it's just, it's a, it's a, you know, it's just kind of a black mark on, on you or it can be. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of the under new ownership signs are trying to sweep the broken glass under the carpet and make it go away. And some of them are for good reasons, right? And we'll probably never know. Well, Doug, I appreciate uh, catching up with you. I appreciate all the information on the safeguards rule. And while it's, you know, the, the deadline is passed, it's, there's still things to be mindful of. So appreciate all the information. Thank you as well. You have a great day. Doug Fusco is the CEO of Safeguard Solutions. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Michael Martinez and Audrey LaForest for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on dealership finance and insurance, UAW negotiations, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for our conversation with UAW President Sean Fain about his union's demands. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.